Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Hi, Emil. How are you doing? Hi, Anne-Marie. All good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm great. It's awesome to talk to you. I uh, I mm-hmm. love talking to all sorts of different people, and you have a lot of similar interests to me. Um, like, I love a wide-ranging, you know, you're just an influencer. Um, so I wanted to start off, because we've written a lot about masculinity and mental health and talks of masculinity, but first I wanted to start off and say, What's it, what's it, what's it mean to be a Middle Eastern man in 2023? And I know this is a ridiculous question to ask someone who is a Middle Eastern man to try and explain the breadth of that experience. But what is it, what is it like? Actually, there's a wide range between stereotype of what is a Middle Eastern man in yep. 2023. And there's actually what is a Middle Eastern man 2023, which is a, like a normal human being with all the emotions with all the mental health issues, with all the challenges, with everything. And this as well, the stereotypes of like being in Middle Eastern society where uh, like most men are not encouraged to express their emotions. They always have to be strong. They always have to be there for their families, which which is a great value. And they have to be an example uh, for the society. But this is stereotyping and putting so much pressure on this definition of masculinity, because you can still be a very Middle Eastern man or nothing's gonna gonna compromise your masculinity if you put your well-being first, if you put your self-care routine first, it's not selfish at all. If you talk about the challenges, if you show weakness, if you cry, if you take care of your uh, fashion, if you have your uh, skincare routine, all of these topics, which mainly seem very normal, like an only being, can put a pressure on Middle Eastern men because stereotypes of the society have put us in a category where these don't conform with the rituals of a Middle Eastern man. So I would say a 2023 Middle Eastern man is just a man who embraces his uh, well-being, he embraces his masculinity, who embraces his good-looking, who embraces all the rituals that make him feel better and make him himself without even having to worry in expressing emotions, what society will think. So you are someone who has talked about this. Does it, what happens when you start talking about your emotions? Does it get easier or do, do you just get, does it get harder? <laughs> Actually, it's, it's, it's an exercise. I would say it just, I came a long way from when I first started just to, because when I first started, I was like, I was tackling these job, job subjects, I would say in a shy way, you know, just to be politically correct, just because you don't want to uh, as well put like all your thoughts out there immediately. But what it taught me when you see people are, uh, how do you say, identifying with you 
or people are just saying, oh, it resonates, we feel the same. So it just encourages you to speak more. So I would say with time, it gets easier. Plus, I mean, there's so many people out there who are breaking the barriers, who are just changing in society, who are being outspoken about stereotypes that define us in one corner, while at the end of the day, no, we just, uh, there's a wide horizon for us to explore as a human what being. About, what about within your family? What about there? Actually, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit challenging as well. Because as well to see, for example, if you look at my Instagram account, it's uh, a bit like it's sometimes fashion forward, sometimes too much about fitness. And my family asks me a question, why are you wearing this? Or why are you talking about this? So as well, even the education happened in my family because I come like from Eastern family. So, uh, so the education, I would say it starts at home. The conversation started at home and it goes all the way to, to the social media following. And, you know, you're from Lebanon. Correct. It is not, it's a very hard time for people from Lebanon. And, and, and it's something that, you know, the sort of collapse there that happened is just not something that's at the front of people's minds in the rest of the world. So can you just talk a little bit about what that's been like? Because even people here are walking around from Lebanon are all bearing this sort of, you know, heaviness from the situation there. I mean, it's, it's very heavy what's been happening for the past three years in terms of economical crisis, in terms of as well, like two years ago, at the one of the biggest world explosions would have destroyed people physically and mentally and everything. But I would say that Lebanese people are very resilient. And every time, because I was just there for Christmas, and you can see people are really eager to live again, to be happy again, to reconstruct again. And I think as well, it's part of our DNA. We just rebuild, relive. We just don't want to stop living, and which is amazing. Plus, mm -hmm. as well, I mean, Lebanon is one as well of the most, like, uh, I would say, like a forward uh, kind of uh, Arab countries in terms of uh, you have, we have lots of people in art, fashion, and like they all just came for, uh, forward with all these ideas. Are very progressive. So I would say it's really helping the society get back on its feet. And I would say. The last, like last December when I was in, in Christmas, I can still feel that there is life. Like yeah. for the past two years, people were like, mm, I mean, they're still uh, processing what's happening. It's too heavy, but you can still, they are, they are, they want to live again. They want to rebuild and they want to restart again. Did you ever have a hard time when things are that bad, like talking about fashion and talk, like, how did you reconcile that? To be honest, yeah, I find a very hard time because I, was, I mean, I live in the GC, I live in UAE, so mainly all my following are in GCC. So here I am talking about trends, going to fashion weeks while people in, in Lebanon are suffering. So it was like, I, can, I, I didn't want to compromise what I'm doing, but it felt like bittersweet. You cannot just be super loud about it and be very inconsiderate because as well, you still have family and friends who are following you and are going through a lot and hear us uh, talking about the latest trend. But I think as well, the positivity that people show in Lebanon really helped because no people will, will, will like to see other Lebanese succeed. They would like to see, they, they wanna really, they're so attached to life. Like this is not a cliche, but we are like very attached to life and living and rebuilding. So I think this helped me as well. But of course I had to be, there's a certain phase of time where you have to stop some activities, especially after what happened in the 2020 explosion, because there's no way we can just can be just partying while the entire country, your country is just being destroyed. And, uh, and yeah. people were, were like really, really in shock for a month. 
And I think still to this day, it's still, uh, I would say, trying to adapt or trying to make sense of what happened. And I'm curious, how did you get your start? Like how, what, how did this get started that you had this following? So basically for me, I, I, before that I was doing woman lifestyle. I was the editor in chief of arabiawoman.com. Ah, okay. So I was doing that. And then when the magazine shut down, I was like, I had like, either I go continue doing woman lifestyle, but then I realized there was a lack of Arabic uh, lifestyle, fitness and fashion for men. So I started my own website, which was called anasharki.com. Anasharki stands for I am Middle Eastern, which is like where I come from. It's a representation of a Middle Eastern man. So I started to blog in Arabic. Then just out of there, I branched into social media, started trying to give this like a modern, trendy uh, image of a Middle Eastern man while being very true to my values, to my heritage and where I come from. And how has it grown? Like how, what surprised you on that journey? What year was that? And what what surprised you since then? So it's been seven years. And uh, to be honest, it's every time I would say, maybe I will not grow bigger. And then something happened, like a new collaboration happened. Like, for example, now I'm getting a bit of uh, more media interest and talk about my platform. There are bigger collaborations. I I became one of Dubai Fitness Challenge ambassadors, which would give me a huge platform just to promote fitness. I do lots of uh, Ramadan fitness videos to encourage people to stay active, even in uh, during uh, during Ramadan and the fasting hours, which can be very challenging. And as well, uh, it's I think it's the collaborations that keep me going, and uh, and especially there are lots of brands who are uh, just trying to uh, to create new type of content it's just not not pure advertising just a message with a purpose so this is as well really helped me grow my platform have you had any challenges on social media you know it can be a tough place it's it's also awesome but i just sort of wondered what your experience has been there of course it's it's a very challenging and it's very competitive market especially in the uae like you have to really branch out in terms of quality of content and you have as well to, to stand out with what you're offering, with your niche, and be true as well to what you believe in. Because you get lots of collaboration with brands or with that you don't relate to. So there's a bit of pressure between taking uh, on these advertising opportunities and staying true to what you, what you believe in. Because at the end of the day, it's a business as well as social media. So mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it's what I would say it's challenging. Uh, in ways where to get as well the right contacts because uh, you need to, to find these brands. You need to find these content uh, creators to collaborate with them. And it's not always a very a yes, yes, because it would be like, no. And this I was like, what are you, like, what's your uh, competitive advantage? Or why should we yeah. work with you? I was like, listen to, you know what I mean? So, no, no, it's very challenging. I mean, you are in the field, so so you, so you know how it is. How do you find the confidence for that? Because in a lot of ways, you you're like a one man show too. I'm sure you have people that help you, but it's like if you if you get a no at a certain time of the day, it might you know like how do you deal with that sort of rejection? Actually, I'm going to be very honest with you here. It's a, it's a learning curve. For example, when I first started, for me the first no, I was like, okay, no, it's not going to happen again. Then I realized oh, I need to ask again because mm. sometimes it's with persistence that you get uh, people because you need to stay on top of mind. I'm sure, for example, lots of brands or lots of uh, entities, they receive hundreds of requests daily. 
So I, I, I learned not to take a no as a, as a personal rejection. Because sometimes no can set you backwards, be like, oh, they don't believe in my profile. And then you end up going in these like spiral negative. But I realized you always have to ask. And for example, maybe this no will turn to be a yes, like in three months or, or like I used. And what I did, what I learned is to take these no as challenges. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I first started, I used to take these no as setups. And, uh, and I'll be like, oh, it's too bad. It's not going to work. But then with time, I was like, I have no choice. I mean, I want to make it. I have a message. I believe what, what I stand for. And I have quality content. So I need to push through. And I believe you need people to give you opportunity. And when someone gives you an opportunity, it opens doors for others as well uh, to just to believe in you and just to get your name out there. I think there's a lot of applications for anyone who might be listening in every part of your life, because what we've realized is sometimes you just ask at the wrong time and everyone else is a lot of times people are just so busy. I say this to people all the time, like, don't take it personally. Like sometimes I just, I missed an email and I, and I never answered it or I missed a DM and I wasn't able to get back. And if you can not take even in, even in not an answer as not personally, and just realize there's so many different factors that can go into a no and it might just mean a not yet, right? Exactly. That's why I say it's a mental exercise. But mm. I mean, now it's easy for us to say it like, but when you when you receive the no or when you receive someone doesn't reply to your email, you start questioning yourself. Yes. Instead, yes. instead of just maybe saying, as you said, I'm sure you receive like hundreds of thousands of emails in a week and you'll forget or you will say, I'll, I'll reply later and then, then life happens. So that's why I really encourage people to do a bit of reminders, not be like a harassment, but as well just to try maybe a different timing uh, would work. Yeah. How about on social media? Because, you know, there's so many people on social media telling you how to be good at social media. And every time you go on, I mean, if you're like me, you follow a few of them because you're trying to you're trying to get all the latest tips and tricks. But you right. can have like seven different things in a day that you hear and they're contradicting each other. <laughs> and like, how do you? You, you, how do you sort of decide what you're going to do based on the trends, but based on what you want to do? Actually, I think it's a try and error, to be honest. And especially like everyone now is obsessed with the algorithm. Like you need to crack the algorithm to get your big views. You need to post at that time. And I'm telling you, even I'm a social media, I've been in social media for seven years. I still follow these tricks. I'll be like, maybe I'm missing on something. Maybe <laughs> I should be posting that. Then I just realized recently, it's just really the power of content and the power of collaboration. So now if you wanna grow, you need to collaborate because you reach other audiences, you merge with other people. And uh, I mean, okay, you can, you can post at the right time, you can do the, the specific hashtags, but the algorithms are keep on changing. So right. I would say, keep focusing on the quality of content, collaborate as much as possible and uh, gets better from there. There's something very odd to me, like a science fiction novel, when I hear everyone talking about how to beat the algorithm, like, you know, like it just seems spooky to me. Like, what are we doing? Like, what? <laughs> it can't be done. Actually, I don't think. <laughs> I, I I worked on a on a on a social media platform a couple of years back, but from the advertising side, okay. where I was where I had been brand creating content for that specific platform, and I had access to the tools of that platform. Even, and after that experience, I believe there's no such thing as beating the algorithm because they change the algorithm uh, just uh, like frequently. So my, my, my advice for people is just don't give up and don't get frustrated by the numbers because now people, now brands, or I would say who are looking for quality of content, they'll just see your reach 
and they would see the quality of content better than just just the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Are you on TikTok, Emil? I am on TikTok. How are you, how are you liking it over there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very honest with you, Anne here. I'm using TikTok to drive traffic to my Instagram. Okay, okay. It's different. It's a different quality. It's different quality of content. TikTok is all about raw like uh, not polished, non-filtered kind of content. And people relate to that. It's a different type of content that I do on Instagram, but I would say it's really helping me drive traffic uh, okay. to my Instagram. And now TikTok as well is pushing all this uh, called infotainment, like information entertainment. So even videos where you speak, where you give tips are being pushed by the by the algorithm because they yeah. want to change the the image the, about just not being just like the challenges or the dances just to have yeah. more content because like people do spend so much time on TikTok and it's one of the fastest growing social media platforms and again yeah. with TikTok it's very difficult to beat the algorithm so you and your chance whether your video goes viral or whether it just gets 1000 views yeah so I see, I, I'm on it and I see the people that come across sometimes that have 300,000 views and it makes no, like you never, it's like, what? I don't understand why this video has so many. Yeah. I, I think even in life, if you're trying to do stuff for how it's going to be perceived, there's, there has to be like, I want to produce this content in my way. And like, you know, growing up in journalism, I've been in journalism over 25 years and I couldn't ever think too much about what I wrote and how it would land, right? Because because you almost would never produce it if you if you think of it in that way. But plus, I mean, because I, I come from journalism background as well. When 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 your articles, we don't know the interaction of people. Because when, mm -hmm. when I used to work with print magazine, okay, it's it's not the number of magazines that you sell, but you don't know how you now you're getting direct direct feedback. That's why uh, it's very easy to question, mm -hmm. but. But now, we, I would say with social media, there is, a, there is a really a technology element that really can either push or just, uh, or just like a delay, delay your content. It's not always about the quality of content. Because, yeah. for example, yeah. you see a, a viral video of someone walking, opening their jacket. And you understand 3 million views. I'll be like, <laughs> I'm, tell you, I'm telling you how to be fit in 2023 and how to make your resolution <laughs> work. And then you're telling me that this guy has like 3 million views. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a technology element, not always about the content, but of course, content is king. I would say it really yeah. gets the message out there. Okay, so let's get into um, health and wellness and the importance of gradual changes. This is a trend I'm really seeing now, you know, like I even noticed on my Netflix, there's a Nike training club, 20 minute workouts, which were popular when I was young. And I started doing them. I'm like, these are awesome. I could do this every day. You know, like there's just everywhere. There's these hints, just do 10 minutes of this and walking. It's what, where, what's your sort of take on that? And how do you advise people to do that and why? For me, I do believe in gradual changes and habits and in, in gradual steps when it comes to fitness and wellness, because people think it's all or nothing when it comes to fitness, especially when they put their new year resolution. Now it's perfect timing because we're talking about the new year. They would just go to extreme changes. For example, from not working out to working out five times a week or for, for, from not eating healthy to eating healthy every day. And then this creates frustration. So I believe in, in, in fitness and wellness, you need to make gradual changes to your lifestyle. For example, if you're doing 1,000 steps, start doing 3,000 steps. And from there, keep on moving. As, as you mentioned, these exercises, people who don't work out, start with 20 minutes a day. Start with like two times a week. And then from that, add. Because you need to yield habits. 
and habits, it's uh, eventually your your recipe for success when it when it comes when it comes to fitness. So fitness, I look at it as a lifestyle. That's why I don't believe in these drastic uh, immediate changes. I believe in gradual steps, like one percent, two percent, and they will add up eventually. And without you realizing or without feeling it's a burden, it's gonna become it's gonna become your lifestyle. How do you work out? What do you do? So basically, for me, I do strength training. I I do tennis as well. Okay. And uh, like casually, I go a bit of uh, cycling around the marina because I live in the marina. So I keep, I keep active uh, as much as possible, but my sole routine is strength training. I work out six times a week. Okay. I mean, uh, I'm just, I'm very religiously uh, disciplined about my workout. Okay. So, so it's weights, it's weights and strength training. It's yes. not cardio. Isn't the first thing or no. the focus. No. I do cardio uh, actually just if I'm on vacation or just uh a bit of just change of scenery, especially now the weather is not as nice as mm-hmm. to be outdoors, but my sole focus now is strength training. That's but amazing. I do encourage actually any type of uh, physical activity because I always repeat in my videos or in my, on my podcast that fitness is not only about going to the gym. You can be active by going for a run, by increasing uh, your walks daily, by just doing uh, all sorts of like cycling, swimming. Find an activity that you love because if it makes it easier for you just to, to pursue it. Because some people find it a barrier to go to the gym for so many reasons. So find an activity that really helps you active, maybe just strolling, walking, running, or something like that. Okay. And and it is so confusing about nutrition and food. We're constantly talking about that here, when, especially when you're going online. How do you approach that? What sort of, how do you approach that content? Do you do a lot of nutrition content? I don't do nutrition content because I, I don't have like nutrition background, I would say, uh, but I share what I eat and what and my, uh, my food program came out of research and out of as well, try and error and everything. So for me, I do believe in small meals and snacks throughout the day. I don't believe in one big bulky meal. And I believe as well to eat everything in moderation. So I personally have one cheat day a week, but as well, I don't go extreme in my cheat day to be completely transparent. But I don't, I don't think that you should put barriers on food because having unhealthy relationship with food, it just, it puts so much mental, uh, mental pressure, uh, pressure on yourself. So I would say you can easily eat clean and healthy by, uh, by monitoring what you eat. So, for example, I would say uh, if you're eating uh, a salad, because some people make a mistake about, for example, eating a salad and then having like a ranch sauce or like a very heavy sauce. So this is this is not healthy. So you have to really monitor uh, monitor what you eat. And if you want to really go on a diet, start gradually. Let's say if you're doing if you if you're uh, eating four times a week cake, start by dropping it to two to one. Because I would say like refined sugar is one of your and trans fat acid, like all these uh, super uh, fried food is really uh, not only the way you look, it's not only impactful, it's about how you feel because you feel sluggish, you feel heavier, and then it really affects your overall uh, day activities. Yeah. When you stop eating those fried foods with that fried, that, that, those bad oils, you really notice when you eat them again, how it feels. Yeah. Like you even, feel lighter when you stop them. And then if you stop them for a while and you start when it does, you will feel heavy. Like your stomach will be yeah. you reject them. 
I, you know, when I moved here 10, 14 years ago, I used to have a Big Mac every month. That would be a Big Mac and fries every month. That would be my monthly treat. And then the Big Mac just started getting sort of grosser and grosser to me about five or six years. Like I wasn't enjoying it. And it's, I think as you get healthier. And then I just a couple of months ago gave up the fries because I got the fry. I was on the fries once a month and I was eating them and I was like, these aren't good. Like, I don't like them. They're gross. I feel it's a real evolution when you start eating well, but it's hard. It's hard when you're starting out, right? Like when you're starting from scratch, it's inconceivable. It it's it's discipline. You need, you need discipline. Yeah. Need discipline. Yeah. Okay. But, let's talk about but again, but a lot of people like you, sorry, they came to realization with time that they don't need yes. it or they don't like it. Instead of me telling you, don't eat it, don't eat it. Be like, gradually, you can just easily get out of it. Yeah, you'll get there on your own, right? Like you'll, if you just take little steps, it'll, it'll become eventually that food that you thought you could, you, you thought was gross, you'll enjoy. I, I try to tell my friends that it works. You won't want to eat that in a year or two. <laughs> Actually, I have a similar incident where a friend of mine was coming to visit and I like, and I gave her coffee and she asked me if I had sugar. And I realized I don't have sugar at my home. And I was like, I'm, maybe I was like, I'm not really equipped uh, to host people because <laughs> I'm not supposed to, to make them eat the way I eat. And then she said, after that moment that I had the coffee at yours with no sugar, I cut down sugar from my coffee because I realized I, I didn't need it. And wow. Like anyone's story because, I mean, she had the same experience with the coffee and she was, she was okay after that, that with no sugar. Yeah. And she just never had a time when she couldn't have the sugar. It was just it never. Happened. And then all she needed was one cup. That's amazing. All she needed was one cup to see that it's actually the coffee. That's delicious. Not the sugar. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I, if someone gave me a coffee with sugar in it, I would say, I can't drink that. And that's like, you know, I love coffee so much that <laughs> that's, I mean, the sugar. <laughs> that's really how much I don't like sugar. <laughs> Pardon? I think the sugar changes the time, the, the, uh, oh. the taste of coffee. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's just talk about fashion because you are a man of great flair and you are inspiring people. And I think a lot of men um, are insecure in this area. You know, I'm single, so I've done some dating and I definitely think, especially men in their 50s, not, you know, there's a lot of things I see out in public, fashion items, maybe we should be working on. <laughs> <laughs> The message so, for a particular uh, someone. <laughs> no, just there's there's a lot of men walking around in their fifties with these sort of three quarter pants or like jean shorts. I think that we should maybe it'd be fun to go out and have an intervention with you. And so, <laughs> <laughs> maybe let's let's start this series where we go. After. Yeah, that would be so fun where we just go up and say we've got a better way. <laughs> we're gonna help you, <laughs> and Marie and Emil's gonna help you. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna help you. But um, yeah. So you're you know um, Esquire Middle East best trust man. What what are you seeing that you would just, you know, do you have some top things that you would just like people to think about when they're getting ready to boost their confidence and help make them make the decisions? I would say that lots of people don't know how to dress. It's not because they didn't have it in them. It's because they don't know that there is an option to style things and uh, to how to, just to, to look better. Because, so let me start uh, from the beginning. So first of all, I would say, the first rule is you have to know your colors mm. and, you to, and you have to know your fits because once you know your colors and once you know your fits, first of all, this is like the first rule and, and, and you're like, you're set. And second, you need, you don't need to look at trends and follow the trends without being true to yourself. 
Because if you follow the trends and you work something you're uncomfortable with, it's gonna look, you're gonna look uh, uncomfortable, it's gonna affect your self-esteem. When you go on dates, it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a disaster. So uh, second is the fitting. People should really get clothes that are fitted. Like even if, uh, especially for suits, tailored suits, of course, always. But as well, even if you have an item that's not fitted, it's okay to visit the tailor and and adjust it. And uh, there's so many guys who neglect styling. They'll be like, "We're just guys. We don't need we don't need styling." And and every time they they go out, you feel they're just like they can really be a better version of themselves because there's a big uh, relationship between clothes. And how we feel like clothes mm-hmm. really empower you on a day to day. You will just like feel uh, have better self esteem. You will like you will have uh, more. I would say more confidence in approaching people and just owning a meeting. So uh, I would say don't afraid to ask for help, and uh, and don't afraid to try things, because don't st- get out of your comfort zone. I mean, man is not only supposed to wear denim and a shirt and just put a blazer. No, you can just wear a suit with a t-shirt and sneakers. You can just wear a bit of colors, uh, for example, in in spring or or in summer. You can try as well uh, short sleeve shirts. You can just try oversized sweaters. So it's okay to try. But I think most guys, they don't know how to start. Mm -hmm. That's aware. uh, Yeah. Or where where to start exactly. Maybe giving me an idea now, maybe I should do that or like... Styling and trending, uh, styling uh, business for 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 guys. Well, I mean, you know, and even what stores to start in for just the average guy? Like, where should they go? For me personally, I like department stores because department stores you have several brands that you can look at, Mm -hmm. and then you can as well style uh, style and match. But Mm -hmm. I cannot recommend a particular store because it depends as well on the budget. Right. For example, if uh, what you, what you're gonna like, what you what you're gonna spend, but anywhere you go, you can really style some nice items when you know your fit and once you know your colors. And as well for men, the most one of the most important things, especially for example, uh, the first thing that others or women notice in men are shoes and belts. So when you buy accessories or when you invest in accessories, uh, invest in good quality accessories, and the mm-hmm. way you style your clothes. It's uh, it's like they're gonna make them much better. And don't pull I your pants up too high. Sorry. Sorry, don't pull your pants up too high. That's why. <laughs> don't pull your trousers up. So uh, again, uh, yeah, that's a good thing about the waist. I mean, your waist is it's it's in one particular area. You don't have to put it up to here. Right. This is one I. But I think. But I think some sometimes because they don't know better. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just they just saw these trends from their grandparents and they just took yeah. it uh, took it with them. Yeah, I always feel for guys. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me to figure out what to wear. So I sound like I'm walking around judging everyone, which I'm only doing. It's like no. a <laughs> it's okay. It's if I was like, guys, visit my page and you get inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go check you out. So where can everyone find you? So basically, I have the uh, the website, which is anasharki.com, which is in Arabic. And you have my Instagram page uh, at ana underscore sharki, which is content English and Arabic in order just to serve a larger audience. 
And as well, I have my podcast, which is called Sharky Talks, but it's mainly focusing now on season one about the psychological aspect of fitness. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you're doing great stuff and I just love talking to you. So keep it up. Thank you. (laughs) Likewise. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.